Good morning. This is Gaming Perspectives with Saul and Jolene. And today we're talking about some weird thing that Saul came up with. I didn't come up with it. I just thought it was interesting. And what is it? Oh, using in-media res in your RPG session. Which technically means in the middle of the action. Or the middle of the story, depending on who you ask. So in-media res, what does it mean? In the middle of the action, in the middle of the story. Uh, I think you have seen movies that do this. I have read books that did this. Even though at the time, I didn't know exactly there was a term for what was going on. But it sure seemed pretty cool to me. The first book that I remember reading that used in media res is uh, A Gathering of Evil by Michael Stackpole, which was a dark conspiracy novel. That's not surprising. He started the story with a guy in an ambulance as he's waking up. And he doesn't know. First, he realizes he doesn't know who he is. He can't move. He's paralyzed. And he's thinking he's being taken to a hospital. And then as he can hear the attendants or what are they called? Not attendants. What are they called? Thieves? <laughs> no, the people in the ambulance. The, the, what he thinks are uh, EMTs. They start talking about how much his body parts are going to fetch on the black market. And they start listing off his liver, his eyeballs. And then he realizes that he's in deep doo-doo. Unfortunately for these EMT type guys, he is slowly starting to get this paralyzation is starting to wave, wave off. Or, they didn't uh, give him enough, uh, whatever they gave him to paralyze him. Correct. And so he's able to move his fingers. And then by the time they offload him onto a gurney to take him to a facility where they're going to harvest his parts, he's able to move enough to be able to defeat him and take him out. Was it like the born identity, some super secret agent type guy? Because he's like, does all these fancy karate moves and takes the weapons away and stabs them in the eyeballs and heart and all this. It's a really fast-paced action. Then, then he's on the run, right, trying to figure out what's going on. Another book, which is quite a, quite, quite old. Is, I have to ask you. Yes. What does this have to do with role-playing games? Well, I'll get there. I just want to explain what examples of immediate res. Oh, just making sure. I'll get there. Slowly but surely. You know me. I like taking my time getting to the point. So another one is Iliad I or and or supposedly the Odyssey, which I th- read the Odyssey. I never read the Iliad, which is was it, was it the same book? I always thought there was separate It's an books. epic poem. Okay. Well, anyways, in the Odyssey, it starts 10 years after the war has started. It's a whole, whole lot of stuff has, going, has gone on. And uh, it, there's also movies about it and stuff. Though the movie doesn't, isn't as good as the book, believe it or not. But... Uh, but it's a good book. It starts in media res. And there's all kinds of other books that do it. Uh, Movie-wise, I... Star Wars. Star Wars. I, you know, I hadn't even thought of Star Wars. And it totally starts in the middle of the of the, of the tale, in the middle of the story and action. You know, choo-choo-choo, those one ship chasing the other ship. Yes. You don't know what's going on, but you know that something's been going on for a while. Right. Right, and and even if you could do like a slow burn kind of a, a soft in meter res. This doesn't mean action. For example, uh, John Wick. The story starts with him just getting up and taking care of his puppy, and you know something's weird about this guy, right? Because he's like he doesn't work. He's super rich, and he does the flashback. You know, there's a story behind it. There's there's obviously something going on in his past that, or something that happened in his past that's hugely important. But we as the watcher have no idea who John Wick is, that he really likes his puppy, that he lost his wife shortly before the movie starts. 
And then they kill his puppy. Which was a very bad choice <laughs> on their part. And then the story goes crazy after that. But exactly. So I was thinking a lot of people say, oh, you should start your game in media res, your RPG section. And I'm like, wow, how would you do that was one. And another one is, well, how would you do that? It's the same thing. You just, you just said the same thing twice. I know, but I'm like, I'm just thinking, you know, what would you need to think? How would it work? For me, the most important thing for in media res game to work is the players have to buy in. Because if the players are are not, uh, what is it? If the players don't go along with it, then your game is going to just like grind to a halt. I, I've read this one person said that he started in an action scene. He says, uh, these guys in, uh, in black uniforms are chasing you and shooting at you. And you're in a busy uh, New York street. What do you do? The players might stop and say, okay, who are they? Why are they chasing us? Blah, blah, blah. And Why so, am I in New York running? Whatever, you know, whatever right? But What's my motivation? <laughs> so, well, th- that would really be terrible. Uh, the motivation is not to get shot, right? Where, where this is going to work is players who will easily adapt to that situation say, okay, I'm going to jump behind a bu- uh Let's say there's three or four of you. I, I, you know, Casey says, I'm going to jump behind a dumpster and provide cover for the other two, other three people in my in, who are running. You don't even know who those people are other than the character, unless you talked about the characters beforehand and in a session zero, right? You have players who will actively engage in that kind of situation. Just they stop the action and start asking questions. Well, who are we? What are we running from? Who would want us to shoot at us? It's going to slow down your action right. considerably and, so, and, and totally ruin your Well, not ruin, but it, yes. Yeah, it would ruin it. Uh, yes. You're in media res trying to start it in the middle of yeah, the story. So you would want players who are buying in and who are able to deal with that situation. But you would have to do it without telling them that that's what you were going to do, right? Right. You could kind of gauge, you know, depending on how your what kind of players you have at your table, you can gauge the, how successful this kind of start of a session would work. So first of all, you would look at your players and, you, act, you know, you have to what is it, assess how how they would react. Okay, so to be successful at this, I think the first thing you would have to do is you would definitely have to have, and I hate to use the term session zero, zero session, session zero. Same thing. Whatever. You would have to, and Saul does this before he starts a campaign. He usually, he used to do it through email. And now that we don't meet anybody in person currently, I'm not sure how he does it. I guess it's still through email. But, um, when you create your character, you should create your character before the game starts. Oh, yeah, yeah. So that one, that I see lots of problems with this. The first problem being that <laughs> what if you created this character that is like a total goody two-shoes and only does good things, right? Where you start the action where they're running from people with guns. Well, maybe they would, why would they be there? So the character's going, well, I didn't make my character to do this. So you'd have to know what you, everybody would have to know who their characters were and know who each other was to be able to do this. Right. To pull it off successfully. Maybe. Uh, I think, like I said, you have to uh, assess your players as far as how good they are at dealing in certain situations, at least in the role-playing situations. For example, I made a little list. 
I said uh, actively engaged players, right? So players who are actively engaged at the table, meaning that they're willing to, one, actively role play. They're not sitting back waiting for you to describe what the dungeon looks like. They're like, okay, is there any traps in the room? Or what is what are the walls made out of? You know, they're actively asking questions that uh, about their environment, their character's environment. So you want active players. If you're just starting the game, how are you going to know that? Well, I'm, I mean, hope, usually it works with people who you know, right? Just, But it, I guess if you're talking about like running at a con where people sign up and you have no clue as to uh, who they are or who, what kind of player they are, I think that'd be a little tougher. Of course, you have advanced, not advanced notice, but, but you, if like for like me, you would have pre-generated, pre-generated characters for this game. And maybe a little note or a little, very little, very small, a little blurb that tells the player who this character is in as little verbs and nouns as possible. Because if you give them a one page, a one page, even one, one half a page note about what the character is, they may not read it or they may not understand or may not, it may not sink into them. But if you have like one, maybe two sentences about that describes your character. I think it's better. You're better off in that case if you try to do this at a at a con with with uh, strangers or anybody who's signs up and shows up at your table. I think it's a little tougher, but I think it could be done. Like I like I said, as long as you give enough information on the character sheet that tells them who they are in very little time. My suggestion would also be besides doing that would be like to right before you start the first scene would be to say introduce your characters to each other that kind of thing where out of game right where just say oh then it wouldn't matter if you were sitting down playing at a convention or sitting down with your four friends that you play with every week you could say oh this is this is who i am and this is how and i would suggest which shannon always how how do you know the person sitting next to you kind of thing right so that so that they would have that five minutes of connection with the with all the characters before you throw them into a crazy scene yeah that definitely is helpful and obviously once you develop connections to each other i think you develop also empathy for that that, a a reason reason why you're why why you're gonna save that guy Why you would care about the fellow player next to you so another thing I think is players must be willing to improvise because they may not know a lot of what's going on. They know as much as you put down on a on a character sheet, maybe as much as you give a, a quick bio or background of who that character is and whatever they listen to or hear from at the beginning of the game with your player introductions of each of each other, of each of themselves. And that's not a whole lot. But if they're able to improvise, like I said, if you ask them, what are you doing as a GM? And they're like, uh, uh, I don't understand. I, you know, And they're still stuck on the idea that they don't know why they're being chased. They want to know why they're being chased. So they're able to... Just so you know, there's always going to be that one player who's going to be like that. <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know. I think I think as as the hobby expands, it becomes more mainstream. Uh, ooh, how do we dare say that? I, I wouldn't <laughs> say that. As it becomes more popular, I think more uh more ideas are more ideas in. are coming into into role playing or becomes vogue or becomes more popular in within the hobby i think improvisation is on the rise in a lot of games 
because you have an influx of, of different ideas coming from theater and movies and actors and and just and just looking at for example if you watch actual plays and there's a lot of improvisational improvisation in those you mean role playing right actual plays of role playing like you know critical no, you role. mean role playing not improvisational you mean they're role playing with each other right but they're just feeding off of each other versus just following along my with character each. is doing this right and well they're also improvising as to what they're their situation, you know, they're adding stuff to the story that doesn't necessarily isn't what what the GM put in there. So there's a lot that of that you know that the GM right. put in there. I think that this would be a little bit harder to do if you're if you've been running a campaign with guys for 20 years oh. and you always start off at the beginning of the campaign and they know that the first two sessions I was reading about this so so this comes from my <laughs> my my readings they you know, you've been playing with these guys forever and they know that the first two sessions of the campaign are going to be as boring as hell and you're just feeding them information about what's what they've been doing and where they are and who the person is that they're working for, right? Okay, yeah, I'm following you. So if you're going to try that with these people, you might want to... You might jar them too much. Yeah, you might you might shake them up just a little bit too much. They'll, they'll go, what? Although it may work, it may not. I'm just, I, I mean... You're right that you need to know your players, but if you've been playing with the same people and you want to mix it up a bit and try this, this, which I guess has been going on for a long time because the posts on Reddit went back to like 2010 and 2006. There were articles about this if, for role playing. That's sort of recent, considering. <laughs> sort of recent, yes. Considering, uh, <laughs> what is it? Oh, role some people in, in the seventies. Seventies, right? And so you're talking thirty years after. Yeah, thirty years after it started, you're talking about this in media res uh, article, and I'm sure some people tried it before, but I think it's just an interesting, uh, interesting concept in in st- story that people are gonna man that really worked in that movie. I really liked it. I think it was fantastic. It the game started in the middle of the story, or in, in most part, in most games it's in the middle of action and you don't you get away from that oh you go to a tavern you see a bunch of guys or you see yeah. the thing on the <laughs> wall go, that says the- wizard hiring a party of adventurers please apply at table <laughs> b right it's just like oh my god that would be so boring it's a different type of trope to use right well it's i think it's a, a trope but it's also Something that is relatively, well, relatively new to role-playing. I think that it could be a little bit easier if you gave yourself a lot of the things, a lot of, um, what do you want to call it? Advantages, such as. <laughs> okay. Such as talking to the characters about who, who, having the characters introduce themselves. But also when you start your scene, if they're propelling down a wall with some something they just stole that they needed to get <laughs> you don't need to tell them why they needed to get it but you could say something like you have got the the secret formula and that you've been looking for for the last three months right so that then you're kind of answering their questions before as they're going what are you going to do they're shooting at you or you just took out the helicopter <laughs> and <laughs> You like know, you give them kind helicopter? of, <laughs> you give them different kinds of things right. to help them along the path oh, so yeah. they have a clue as to what's happening. 
right? Right. And I'm and I'm I think when you hand over the characters of the of the game, they're going to get a clue as to what kind of game it is, right? Like if if you hand over a character sheet and your name is I, I can't think of it, but uh, the, well or the or the skills of this person is safe cracking, breaking and entering or whatever comparable stuff to that is. Which you would you kind know. of go over in your session 0, right? Well, if you are in a long-term campaign, yes. But if you are playing at a con, probably no, because there's probably no session zero. I think the Emir Res is like a way of starting the game, like I said, with a bang. And I think uh, the less the players know, the better, I think, because they, they'll be more shocked. Now, if you tell people, oh, I want to run a heist game, okay. So, you know, they, people think of Ocean's Eleven, where there's a lot of planning, there's a lot of this and that. Oh, I gonna need a safe cracker. I'm going to need someone who's breaking it. I need a, a face man who's a con artist type person. All that stuff is going on. So they make their characters, and then instead of them planning the heist, it's right after the heist, right? Pulp Fiction, I think. Not Pulp Fiction, the other one. Uh, Reservoir Dogs. They're running for the cops. The driver you hired just got shot. Yes, yeah, you know, right, exactly. So I think that is a different game than they're badasses or something like it. They might be spies or whatever, but they're not going to plan. The whole idea of media res for me is to put the players' characters in a situation where they have to act and react quickly, not this ponderous planning and thinking of how they're going to break into something, which they might have been thinking that's what the game was about. So I think it's about surprise. I think it's about uh, surprising your players and putting them in a situation that they probably weren't expecting and them reacting to what is going on. And the faster they react, the better it is for the game because that's what you're going after. I think as a GM, when you do that, when you plan an in, in media res game. It's really just the beginning scene, right? Because from there, it's just... Right. Playing, right. Yeah. The rest of that. But I think, you know, like I said before, so your players, they have to be actively engaged. Uh, one, uh, two, for me, the players are willing to improvise because improvisation is probably really important, especially when they don't, especially have players who like, like to know everything before they can act. Which, yes, and some players are like that. They la- they want to have every every second plotted out before they they and start the, the heist. And they always have like this uh, analysis paralysis of like, okay, I wanted to. They want to explore every option before they mo- act. But as a GM, I think you should be prepared for whatever that improv improvisation is going to take, right. whatever form it's going to take, because you never know what the players are going to do, right? Well, they, uh, yeah. There's the analysis paralysis on one side, but say they, they're going to pick something that you didn't think of, but you're going to need to be able to go with it too. Correct. So, and then uh, the third thing was the players must fully participate. You can't have, you can't have a player that's like, well, you can't, you, don't, you can, <laughs> but you, you don't want a player just going to sit there and just like, uh, okay, I, I'll, I'll follow Charlie. Okay. Well, and if, if they do that, then you could also engage them right or kill them kill the character <laughs> no just kidding well, I'm, i don't know that that would be a good <laughs> opening scene you know I, I don't know you would probably want to somehow force that character or you that could, player to act you could try right you could, you could actively put them, engage them right put them in situ put that character in situations where they need to do something or it's going to be terrible for that character right they might get caught they might get shot you know whatever so you're right on the other side the gm right the gm who wants to do this, there's certain things you have to think about. 
I think the most important thing to think about oh, okay. is that you shouldn't be disappointed if the players don't do what you think they're going to. <laughs> well, uh, number one for me was able to improvise, right? right. Because they got to you got to come up with things because the players are going to do something that they may not be used to doing. So, so let's say you've been playing with a group for twenty years, ten years, right? So you kind of know how they act and react to certain situations. You know, okay. I know Phil is gonna is gonna always gonna never gonna engage in hand to hand combat. He's gonna want to attack from a distance. I know Jerry is a full on. You know, he's just a tank. He's got a huge armor uh, or lots of armor, and he's you know, wants to go face to face, toe to toe with the enemy, so on down the line. But let's say you put him in a situation that that they're not used to. They're gonna do some weird stuff. At least weird to you. And if you at a table at a convention, you never know what they're going to do because you have no history with these with these players. So, so you're going to have to improvise. Number two, uh, you're going to let your players drive the story. They're the ones that are going to come up with stuff. The more they come up with it, the of more ideas they come up with, the less you have to run in the other game as you run the game. And then the third, I think, is what you were talking about, is you have to accept that the players may take the story in a direction that you hadn't thought of. And be prepared uh, for it, right? And be pre- Well, how, how do you prepare for, for the unpreparable, I guess? You know what I mean? The only thing you can prepare for is that the players are going to do something that you may not have thought up of. And that's cool. To me, that's cool. But some GMs, right, they want... They kind of pre-plan everything. They expect this is going to happen, and and then they're gonna the players are gonna run down this alley. They're gonna bust into this this. What this if they shop pick a different door. alley and or go up on the roof? I mean, you well, know, so so I think what you're what you're suggesting is that even if you have plotted out your storyline, thinking this is what they're gonna do, right. that you should be prepared to get them to the next scene without using any of that. Correct. So I'm just thinking like, yeah, you're right. And I think if you are a good GM, you're going to, one, not railroad them, right? And two, have if you're if you're running this kind of game, improvisational game, or not improv, but in Rita Res, you have to let the players add stuff to the story because you are putting them in a position where they really can't prepare for, right? They're... They're just in the middle of the action. They have, um, they may have a lot of information, but they have little information about what's going on really other than they're being chased or, or something's going on. So when, let's say they run into an alley and you expect them to uh, pick a lock of this door, right? But when somebody's being chased, they may be like, well, I don't have time to pick a lock. I'm going to try to bust down the door. Okay, can't. And then they, they might get stuck, right? And so so let's say someone goes, uh, Well, why oh, wouldn't the- you let them bust the door down? Well, I don't know. Just, I would. Just it, 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 it wasn't in your in your notes. <laughs> well, that's. I think that is it not only knowing who the other characters are, but also knowing what they have with what them. their abilities. Yeah, yeah, like you. So in that two two sentence or three sentence blurb that you're yes. putting up there, you should make sure that that Charlie knows that he has his machine gun under his coat, or you know something <laughs> <Right>. like that. <laughs> well, so like I would say that let them add stuff to the situation yes. like a fire escape oh he goes this is New York this has got those ugly fire escapes that I always you know and then he goes well it's too high well I'm gonna get Jerry and I'm gonna launch him into like a alley-oop <laughs> so he can get up there and they're like and so 
but you don't want to say no. You can't do that. Yeah, oh yeah. no, you can't climb right. that wall. Oh no, uh, busting down the door is not going to work. So you want to be a yes GM. At well, that there's moment. that. A but yes, but GM. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or yes and. You know? Yes. So I think because of that, the story is going to change. Instead of you of them going through that door, they go up the fire escape. So like I said, it's just I think if you're gonna if you're gonna put the players in a in a position where they have to think fast on their feet. That game is gonna go, might go in a direction that you never planned. Now, normally, I would say you should always plan on players never going the direction that you plan. Because that's going. the usual. That's the usual for <laughs> me and my players. Because I try to be more very open ended. I try to say, well, okay, go. This is the situation. What are you guys doing? And there's no right or wrong to however they attack the situation or deal with the situation. Right. And I think you sometimes you say that's terrible because I don't know what to do. You could do whatever you want, right? So, uh, uh, one thing is that I try to do is I give them obviously something to do, right? There's a, a problem, and uh, to me, like I've said before, I like the idea of not having an idea how to solve that problem, even though by instinct I already have one or two ways the problem could be solved, but really. Care- you just let them get there by themselves. Players are not going <laughs> to come up with the same idea that well, you have in your head. And for me, that's fun. But and- at the same time, when you're a GM and you like heavy notes and you like pre-planning things ahead of time and encounters and stuff like that, you're like, oh, I don't know if I want to do that. Well, just because you're starting it in media res doesn't mean that you don't have to have the next scene. And I'm, I'm using air quotes because... <laughs> Because it works so well on the podcast. Yes, but you know, you get you got to get through that in that first scene of in media res, right? Right. Where, where you're starting right in the middle of the action or the middle of the story. Right. You're still gonna have to when they get done with with that. You, that's not gonna be the entire game, right? Right. No. So, so you're gonna have to have oh, so now you've made it back. It, was, it fades to black, and you've yes. made it back to your lair or or your <laughs> your, your safe base house. <laughs> or the office or wherever. The evil going. guys have lairs. Yes. I think uh, the good guys think theoretically have a home base or something. And then from there, it, you know, unless you're going to keep doing crazy things. Throwing yeah, you. no, I don't think I'm going to in meter res the whole game, but you, I yeah, think it's wouldn't. a very good way to start the game. Instead of the, you mean a tavern or whatever. No, I I totally agree because I think you could do it in lots of ways. You could do with your, even with a and d group, you could have them being berated in front of the the local town, either the king or the magistrate or whatever, saying, you messed up this job. Because you did that, you're going to have to do blah, 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 blah. And so they kind of know where they're coming from and where they're going as he, you know, throws them in to some crazy situation, right? Right. Yes. I think it's just a, a interesting way of starting a game. And like I said, uh, there's all kinds of factors that you as a GM must must consider when you're thinking about starting a game in, in media res because it can be daunting for players, certain players who are not used to, they just want to, be told, okay, where's the monster? Okay, okay, now that the monster's dead, where is its gold pockets or where's its wallet? You know, and and so players who are like that, they might have a little a great difficulty trying to if you put them in a situation that they can't plan, that they can't assess, 
that's a big deal, right? Because a lot of players like to assess the situation and then act accordingly, whatever that means. Let that player go last. <laughs> well, you make them go first, right? No, then- I would I would make them go last, especially if I knew that they like to ha- you know plot it out in their brain, right? So give them a couple minutes while your tank, who always goes first, right, just goes, okay, this is what I'm going to do, right? Or or. Or they go, you're, you're telling them they're being chased by, by guys in black in New York and they're shooting at them. Well, who knows? One of your players might go, well, let's get one, kidnap one of those guys and figure out what's going on. You know, that kind I of... Mean, I didn't even think about I that. I mean, that's, that's exactly... That's the first thing I thought about, you know. I did not even think about that. Exactly. So as a GM who you hadn't even planned that or had an idea, let's say they go... Let's say they make it through that... That's, fire escape and they go into an apartment building and then they're being chased right theoretically well they they can turn the tables on the chasers right and was just trap them like you said trap one and grab them a bamboo i should say not trap and them. interrogate and him then, you know or just put them get them oh you know, okay we're, we have a car nearby we'll put them in a the trunk and get out of here exactly Let's say they get that far so now you got to deal with the with the idea that they got this guy <laughs> and what information that guy may or may not have which Since he was just mook number five then. yes now he's as a name right he has a girlfriend and maybe a son. Suddenly, yes. <laughs> Suddenly, yeah. <laughs> Suddenly, he so becomes a major part, a major, a major part of your plot. <laughs> and you know, and you make it so it's not easy to eliminate him, right? He has a, oh yeah, let's see, he has a wallet, he has baby pictures of his son who's just turned, who's turning one tomorrow. I don't and, know. Tommy told me I just had and to the chase reason, you, you guys. Know, and the reason it is is because he's being extorted by yes. by the man who is. Behind his nefarious plot, so you end up letting them go because well, maybe you I don't know. Get as much information out of him <laughs> as you can, unless one of your players is you know, just shoot first, ask questions later kind of guy. NCIS, yeah. Los yes. I don't know if you can have a whole campaign like this, but no. But I think at least the opening scene uh, can really revitalize your your game, especially if you've gotten tired of the of the beginning of the session or the beginning of the campaign with the tired. Tavern. No, I don't know. Well, even know I think if it's both. Use that. I think it's both the the player and the GM because, like, if you play with the same people all the time, and you know that those first two gaming sessions are just going to be you guys figuring out how your characters know each other and why you're there, and the it's going to take the second session for you to figure out what you're doing because the GM is trying to get you to interact right, and do right. stuff and you're just like bored because you know this is the 18th <laughs> time we've played this game it's going to be the same as all the other games maybe you need a new GM or you need to do it yourself or something yeah, you might want to rotate that GM yeah. out uh, I think I sort of did this when I started the 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 save the king uh, game uh, D&D game when but it was over email, like you said. Yeah. I like I do like using emails. And these, we don't, we never got together uh, to do a session zero, Jolene. But was, our email was the session zero. We didn't even know session zero existed then. Yeah, uh, even then, Jolene was against it, even though she didn't that know about it. That is not true. <laughs> but what I did, was, I think I've talked about it before. I sent everybody emails. Uh, they had their characters described to me. I go, okay, so this is what's happening, you know. And then at the and very, he also drew connections right between players right did every player character knew another player character and so they knew each other and then uh then all hell broke loose this this happened did i did it was I, in cormier and we were leave, we left the city yeah yeah it's all had now i don't remember if you guys role played 
before leaving the city or that's where the game started? That's where the game started. Was you guys leaving the city yeah. all at the same time? Yeah. Because you guys were on. <laughs> we were <trouble>. all running. <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> so I did do that. So it was sort of in media res because they really didn't start playing until they're leaving the city. And they were all had different reasons for leaving the city and they were all not good. So I think it was interesting. I think that was about as in media res of a game as I've ever started, which I didn't even know I was doing at the time. <laughs> So there you are. So there it is. So I think they could be fun. I think there's certain type of players that will be more difficult to make a successful run in, in media res. As a GM, you have to be very improvisational. You have to let players have some a lot of player agency. And you got to let go of the idea that you can predict everything that's going to happen in the game because it's just not going to happen. Normally, I would say you shouldn't do that anyway but in a in a in meter res where people are reacting instantly to what's going on without a full uh base of knowledge they're gonna do some crazy stuff yeah and you gotta be prepared for that how do you prepare for crazy stuff you gotta roll with it there you go so there you go good luck this is game in perspectives with saul and jolene and you have a good day <laughs>